Well, hey, welcome to Seacoast on this Father's Day weekend. We are so glad that you are here uh, with us or we are there with you, uh, wherever you happen to be, if you're on Facebook or our church online platform, YouTube. We are so honored that you're with us this weekend. My name is Josh Surratt, and uh, I cannot wait until we are doing this all together in person. Uh, we announced this past week that we are working towards a reopening date uh, as if the church has been closed, but gathering in person in the church buildings on July 11th and 12th, that weekend. And I can't wait. I love you guys. Our, our worship team has been great to preach to, but I'm ready to preach to a room full of people. Uh, and so uh, we can't wait to be back together. There's a website we've set up, seacoast.org slash health. Uh, and we're going to keep that page updated as any of our plans change and move forward. We're, we're working very hard right now to get ready for that day. But we're glad you're here. Uh, it's Father's Day. I believe it's the greatest holiday ever. Would you agree with me, Lee? I mean, at least at least you do. Uh, great Great weekend. And, you know, traditionally, sometimes churches take Father's Day weekend to like bash the dads. Uh, we're not going to do that this weekend. In fact, we want to encourage the dads. We want to inspire the dads. If you have a dad in your life or a father figure that you want to celebrate, I'd encourage you to do it. Uh, do it in the comment section. Maybe tag them. Uh, if you have a dad that may need encouragement, that's what we're going for today. And uh, so I hope, uh, and if you're not a dad, by the way, I think there's gonna be some stuff in here for you guys as well. Uh, and so uh, an encouraging message for all of us. I wanna ask you a question. How many of you remember the moment where you realized that there were, there were some generational DNA that you inherited from your dad or from your mom? Uh, it, it could have been like 10, 11, 12 years old. You're looking in the mirror and you're like, ah, those ears. I recognize those. I got those from my dad. I brought a friend with me to illustrate that, you know, for you. So we, we all inherited some physical DNA from our, our, our parents. So for some of you, it was the nose. You know, I've got several friends that, uh, that talk about this. It's like, man, I, I have definitely got my dad's nose. And, uh, some of us, it's, it's the eyes. Uh, it could be in my case, uh, my, my ears aren't too bad, but it's the hair that I inherited from my dad. Uh, I've got about as much as he does up top and some coming in the nose and different part, the ears, places that you don't want it. But, but we all inherit some attributes from our family. Some really good. Uh, some of you are tall, athletic. You inherited some, some DNA, some that we maybe wish that we could change. But the reality is no matter how hard, how hard we try, we can't alter what we inherited a whole lot. I mean, you can spend a little bit of money and change a little bit, but for the most part, we're stuck with what we got in terms of the DNA that we got from our family. And as I turn this Mr. Potato Head over though, and yes, some of us inherited a little more junk in the trunk than others, but this, this has got a little compartment and there's some things inside that, that we also inherit. And, and it's, it's funny because it's easy to focus on the external stuff that we got from our family, but it's really the internal stuff, the stuff that we picked up, the attitudes, the behaviors, that's the stuff that really ultimately alters the course of our life. And the good news is that we, while we can't change the external stuff a whole lot, we can, with the help of God, change the internal stuff. And, and as a dad, by the way, I did bring, um, I, I brought a mask just so he would be safe um, today, today with us. Uh, th these are the masks that we're, we're preparing for our dream team. So you got that. Uh, but as, as a dad, it's a lot of pressure, right? It's a lot of responsibility. I remember having our firstborn, my son Miles, when he was born, it was like, man, I cannot believe that they're going to let me take this kid home. Like I have no training for this thing, but, but there's a lot of responsibility and it's a huge privilege. But how do we make sure that we're passing along the right things? That, that, that as, as our, our, our actions impact generations that will come behind us, 
our lives have been impacted by the generations that have gone before us. Is there a way that we could impact the legacy, try to pass on the right things and maybe mitigate the other things? There's a passage of scripture that I love in Psalms, verse 111, uh, chapter 112, verses one and two. And here's what it says. It says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. And look what it says about their children. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Man, I want that to be said about the generation that follows me. Don't you want that to be said about your kids? They are blessed. Uh, They are joyful because of the way that we lived our lives. I wanna bring a really simple message today about how we can impact the legacy that we are gonna leave behind us. And if you're a dad, this is gonna be especially for you. But if you're a mom, maybe you're here today and you don't have kids, all of us are gonna need to wrestle with three questions that I believe are gonna determine the legacy that is spoken about our lives. The first question is this, and creating a generational legacy. What needs to stop with me? What needs to stop with me? Have you thought about that? What are the, the attitudes or the behaviors, the culture that maybe has, has been alive in your family for generations that just needs to stop with you, that you don't wanna pass on to the next generation? Look at Deuteronomy 5, 9 and 10. It says, you must not bow down to them or worship them. Talking about other gods. It says, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection of any other gods. And look what he says. He says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But he says in verse 10, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You know, theologians argue a lot about this verse. Is it generational curses? Like, are we just kind of stuck with stuff that our parents did? Or is it just consequences that, that kind of transcend generations? And, and I don't even know that it's worth arguing that. Either way, we can all acknowledge, man, that there are behaviors, there are things that happen generations before us that continue to impact our lives today. And our job is to just go, you know what? I wonder what it would look like for me to take a little bit of time to reflect on what do I not want to pass on? What needs to stop with me? I was having dinner last night with my kids. And um, I don't know if you guys are like me, but but I have these lofty expectations and visions of what dinner time is going to look like, you know, right? We all get down and sit at the table at the same time. And, and we're each going to share something that we're grateful for today. Uh, we're going to pray with one another. The kids are going to help with cleanup. And it's just, that's, that's the expectation. It rarely goes that way, especially when mom's not around and she ha- didn't happen to be there uh, last night. And so we're getting, getting ready, trying to sit down to eat. I've got these ideas of the conversation I want to have. And, and the kids are fighting with each other. They're arguing over which chore is whose for this week because we've got, got, got them on a schedule for the summer. Uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation for uh, a couple of weeks and they're arguing about what's going to happen there. And what about when we get back? Who's going to have this chore? And finally, I was like, I, I had, I'm a patient guy. I had tried several times. I said, hey guys, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to, let's not yell at each other. Let's not, and, and finally it came out. Why are you yelling at each other? Stop it. <laughs> and my son, who's getting ready to be a teenager and needs to control his tongue a little bit better, says, hey, hey dad, tone it down a little bit, man. 
chill out. I'm like, really? Maybe we're yelling at each other because you've showed us with your actions and your behaviors that sometimes that's the only way to be heard is to yell. And and he didn't say it in those words, but that's what I heard. And, and, and you know what, sadly, it's true. That's that's one of these things that, that I know that if I don't intentionally go, you know what, this doesn't need to come with me. I don't want to pass this on to the next generation. It's just, they're going to pick it up. That's what that verse is talking about. They're, and that's a little thing that can become a big thing. But how do I handle my anger? How did my dad handle his anger? Do I want to, do I want to pass that on, on or does that need to stop with me? What are some things that need to stop with you? Uh, maybe you grew up in a home where your dad said that he loved you a lot with his words, but he was rarely around to show it because he was so consumed with his job. You know that can stop with you. You don't have to pass that on. Some of us grew up in homes where we saw alcohol control somebody's life and 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 damage a family and 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 we just need to go, you know what? That doesn't have to be the story for my family. That can stop with me. One of the things that I, I thought about as I was praying for this message that some of us may have seen and modeled growing up is even just passivity. Passivity. This idea that, you know, dad doesn't really care about the grades, doesn't really care about the details of the home. And, and I don't believe that's God's call for us as dads. He wants us to be engaged in the lives of, of, of our kids. And that can stop with us. Some of us grew up in homes that had hurtful attitudes towards women, maybe. Could be towards people that look different than you based on their skin color. And these are just attitudes. Again, they're things that are on the inside that we don't always see them. They're not always obvious but we don't have to take those attitudes in to the next generation. But if we don't consciously decide, you know what, what needs to stop with me? Chances are pretty high. We're just gonna bring them in to the next generation. So what needs to stop with you today? Maybe you would even be so bold to to share it with somebody, share it in the comments. You know what, this is something I don't wanna go on to the next generation. We need to answer that question. But if you're like me, it's like, okay, there's, there's a, a good list of things that I don't want to pass on to the next generation, but how? What do we do with that? How do we actually ensure that we don't pass it on? You know, the Bible word for, for how things stop with me is a word that you've probably heard in church. It's called repentance, right? Repentance. I want to read a couple of verses to you. Acts 3 and verse 19. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. How many know sins that are wiped out aren't passed on to the next generation? That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, if I'm gonna make a decision and I'm not gonna pass this on to the next generation, it's gonna start with repentance. You know what, God can't change an excuse. You know, God can't heal an excuse, but he can heal a heart that says, you know what? I want to repent of my sin. I want to stop some things with me. And repentance, by the way, what does that mean? It's not an emotion. I think a lot of times we've pitched it as an emotion that happens like at the end of a a really well done sermon with the right music in the background. And if we just in our emotion would go, you know what? I, I, I repent. I repent. It's, it's not an emotion at all. In fact, there are two words in the Bible, a New Testament, a Greek word for repentance, and one of them is a a Hebrew word for repentance. The Greek word for repentance actually means to change my mind, to change my mind. It's It happens up here. 
It's not just a feeling that we have. It's that, you know what? I've evaluated this. I've seen my sin. I've seen the damage that it can do. And I'm changing my mind. I don't want to be that anymore. And the, the Hebrew word that, that the Bible uses for repentance is literally means to turn around, to go in a different direction. And I think if you combine those two, you really get a good picture of what repentance looks like. It's to say, you know what? I'm going to change my mind on this, but I'm also going to go in a different direction. I want to encourage you to repent. I love what the byproduct of that is. Did you see that refreshment, refreshing from the Lord? Uh, mercy. We sometimes think of repentance as like a bad word. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's actually leads us into a great place of refreshment from God. And, and I know in my own life, I don't know how you've done through this season that we've been in, this quarantine, and there's been a lot of pressures that have come. And some of what's come out in me, I haven't really liked what I've seen. Uh, you know, I've, I've done pretty good on camera, you know, on morning encouragements, but there are moments in my home where anger's come out. There's, there's some, even some, um, some attitudes and some laziness that's come out. I'm going to tell you all my stuff. I'm doing better than you are. Okay. I, I can promise you that, but I've seen some things that, that I didn't like. And I got together with my small group a couple of weeks ago and we were just talking about, man, where, where are we at? What are some things that are coming up? And, 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 and not in exactly the same question, but essentially going, what do we want to stop with us? What do we want to see end right now? And so we made a list of some things that we all sort of surfaced and we said, you know, all right, we got to make a decision to, to change our minds on this. God is, God is surfacing this not to judge us or condemn us, but because he doesn't want us to stay in it. So we're going to change our minds, but we also had to change our behavior. And so you know what repentance looks like for me in some of these areas? I have an app on my phone called Habit Share, and I have decided what are some behaviors that need to change in my life? And it's not a legalistic thing. It's just these are some things I know are bringing about death in my family and my life. And I've got accountability. I've got six guys that are looking at those with me. And every day I'm checking those off the list. And, and in a lot of ways, that's repentance. It's saying, I'm not just going to feel bad about my sin. I'm going to move in a different direction. I'm going to get some accountability in my life and we're going to, some things are going to stop with me. So that's the first question I would encourage you to ask yourself on this Father's Day weekend. If you want to be really bold, ask, ask some, some people who are close to you. Maybe ask some close, maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have kids yet, but these are questions to be considering now. Uh, these are questions to be considered before you're in the moment. We all have our first kid and it's like, man, I'm going to be the best dad ever, right? <laughs> like I'm going to, I'm going to crush this thing, but then life happens and we slip into some old ways of thinking. So we got to ask ourselves, what needs to stop with me? Second question for us is this, what needs to start with me? What needs to start with me? You know, it's not enough to say, all right, I'm going to clean out some old habits, but it's, man, what are we going to, what are we going to live for? What's going to be the story that my, my kids tell? What's the narrative of our family? What, what are we going to stand for in our home? Would you agree there are some things that are worth passing on to your kids? I, I love my family. I want to honor my dad today on Father's Day, uh, my grandpa. We've got a great legacy. I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute as we close. Uh, but there are some things that dad did that were so awesome. Some things I don't want to pass on, but some things that I really do. Uh, he would say some phrases. One of them was, uh, we're Surratt's and Surratt's stick together. He's like, you know what? I found myself saying those things. I, and I never even thought that I would. Sometimes I thought they were cheesy, but now I find myself going, you know what? That's worth passing on. You know, we're going to have an identity in our family that, you, you know, we can mess with each other. We kind of do that. We pick on each other, but if somebody else messes with one of us, we got each other's back. That's a family thing that we do. 
I, I still remember, you know, we aren't the tallest. That's one of the physical DNA genes that I got. We didn't get a lot of height. But, but dad would always say, you may not be the tallest. You may not be the toughest. You may not be the biggest, but nobody out hustles a Surratt. Nobody out hustles a Surratt. And it created this inner kind of narrative that said, you know what Surratt's are? We, we are, we work hard. We're going to go after it. We're going to be feisty on the athletic field. You're, you're going to be, you're going to regret that I ever guarded you. I remember in, in high school, I was about, you know, five, six. And uh, we played against our rival, it was Portergaud. Some of you are Portergaud people, love you. Uh, I know uh, Portergaud's football coach is a part of our church family. I didn't love you back then, though. We were rivals. And uh, Portergaud had a guy who's still a friend of mine. His name was Bishop Ravenel. He was about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and we ran a box-in-one defense on Portergaud, and they put me at 5'6", on him because I could just bother him. I could pester him. I was all over him. I was talking to him. That's what we did. Dad kind of passed that on. But what are you going to start? What are the attitudes that you're going to pass on to your kids? It's not enough to know what we don't want to be about. We got to know what are we for? And the thing that comes to mind for me is a verse that a paraphrase of this verse is actually etched in my garage because it means so much to me. It's Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. And Joshua was kind of making some of his parting statements to the people that he had led for a long time. And here's what he said. He said, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be known. We're, we're going to be known as a family that serves the Lord. I can't think of a better thing to be known for than that. As for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. So as we move towards re-entry, and as you think about what's my family story gonna be known for, I would ask, what, what needs to start with you? What needs to change about the way that you guys are living your life right now that would, would help communicate to your family, man, we are gonna serve the Lord. It could be being a part of a small group. You know, being a part of a biblical community so they see that kind of healthy iron sharpening iron that, that you're committed to, to be held accountable and to do life with some people who have the same vision and same values in your life. A lot of new small groups are gonna be starting up over these next few weeks and I'd encourage you a great time Say, you know what? We're going to be a part of community. It could be being a part of the dream team as we re-enter. You know, we've all had new habits, right? For the last three, four months. And, and, and we haven't been coming to the church on the weekends and serving people. What if you just said, Hey, this is a fresh start for me to say, you know what? We're going to be known for as we're going to be committed and involved in serving other people. It could be serving an outreach at your campus or some of our campus have dream centers, but going, you know what? We're going to make sure the narrative of our, our family is one that, that, that we are putting God first in our life and we're serving God. What, what do you want to stop with you? What needs to start with you? A, a last question for us is this, from whom am I taking my cues? And for the dads specifically as a dad, from whom am I taking my cues? Because let's be honest, we all got a mixed bag here, right? Like our dads, some of them did some good stuff. Some of us had dads that, man, we just, we wanted, we wanted, want to run the opposite direction of that. Uh, some of us, uh, had dads who were absent in our homes. And so, man, I want to I wanna do this. From whom am I taking my cues? Who am I learning from as a dad? And I just want to show you one passage of scripture that shows your heavenly father, his heart and his attitude towards you because he, he said this about his son. And as we are in Christ, we inherit the same posture from our heavenly father that he had to Jesus. And it was at Jesus' baptism. 
And some of you are familiar with this story. Jesus goes and he, 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 he asks, humbly asks John the Baptist to baptize him. And as he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove and a voice comes from heaven in Matthew three seventeen. And here's what he says. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Please, three things that that his heavenly father said and gave him in that moment. He gave him acceptance. You are my son. I accept you. Do you know that God accepts you? <laughs> He's not waiting for you to clean up your act or to get it together. He's he, he looks at you and says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I accept you. And then he said, whom I love, that's affection. Your heavenly father gave you affection. He gave you, he said, I love him. I'm crazy about him. I imagine if, if God in flesh, I imagine he would have come up and just given him a big hug. So man, I, I love you. You need to know that your heavenly father shows affection to you. Man, what if the first thought that you had when you woke up every day is, man, God loves me so much. Yeah. I know that, that God loves me so that I'm not starting at a deficit where I'm trying to earn that love. I'm trying to get it right. I, and, and man, that's a, that's a terrible way to live. But if we could wake up knowing that, man, God is crazy about you. He shows affection to you. Maybe you have a dad that just didn't do that well. And my dad would acknowledge affection wasn't something that we did real well in our family. We didn't say, I love you a whole lot. We didn't do a lot of hugs. It just wasn't really a Surratt thing. But you know what? That's one of those things that when, when Lisa and I got married and started our family, we said, you know, you know what? That's going to stop here. I want my kids to know, and I, I love my dad, by the way, and we, we actually do a lot better job of that now than we did when we were kids, but it was just part of our family DNA. But man, God adores you. He, he shows affection to you. And then the third thing he says is, with him, I am well pleased. That's affirmation. So I affirm you. You know what Jesus hadn't done at that point? A single miracle. <laughs> he, he hadn't gone and fulfilled his purpose yet. He hadn't, he hadn't achieved anything in terms of what God created him to do. And it was before he had done anything that God said, I affirm you. I'm pleased with you. I'm proud of you. You know, that's God's attitude towards you. What if one of the things that you decided you weren't going to pass down is a performance mindset for your kids that, you know, that they're only in good standing with you as long as their grades are right or as long as they're not messing up. But if they knew that it doesn't matter what they do, that you affirm them because you've learned to take your cues from your heavenly father. You know, my hope for us is that we would live our lives having received that love, that acceptance, that affirmation, that affection. And then we, we, we pass that on to the next generation. And you know, there's a lot of talk these days about obviously the division that we're we're seeing in our culture, the division that we're seeing in our nation. And there's a lot of conversations that we need to have about that. But oftentimes it can feel like, what can I really do? How can I really make an impact? And I would argue that if you will receive that truth, that God views you in that way, it could have a much more profound impact than you even think. You know, the Surratt's, uh, I told you, I'll tell you a little bit of our story. Uh, if you were in, let's say 1930, uh, in the Midwest, and you were to ask a question, hey, what are the Surratts known for? Uh, it would not have been a very pretty answer. 
In fact, some of you may know this, but Mary Surratt, who is a, I don't know how many greats are on it, but grandmother of mine was the first woman to be hung by the United States government. Uh, she was convicted in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. She had a safe house or halfway house that uh, John Wilkes Booth, along with a guy by the name of John Surratt, guess what? He's related to me too. Uh, they conspired together and they made the plan and they executed the plan. And my great, great, great grandmother was Mary Surratt, first woman hung by the U.S. government. John took off and, 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 and ran away, got away from it. But for generations, that was the storyline of our family. And so fast forward from that point to 1930, what they would have said is they're assassins, they're criminals. Uh, it was prohibition era, but if you needed whiskey, you could count on a Surratt to, to find it because they were, they were all up involved in that. Uh, I only met my great, great grandfather one time, but when I did, he showed me scars from bullet wounds that he had. He was a gunfighter. He was an outlaw. He was a criminal. Uh, I would say very much, um, racist and, and bias, biases, uh, towards people that didn't look like them. That's what you would have known the Surratts for in 1930. But, but around that time, there were two women that came to a small town in Oklahoma and they were doing a tent revival, uh, two women preachers. And, and their goal, their stated goal when they came to town is we want to see the meanest man in town get saved. And everybody knew who that was. It was E.L. Surratt, my great-grandfather. E.L. Surratt, the meanest man in town. And so they began to pray for him and pray for him. And, and some cool stuff happened. My, my great-grandmother, who uh, was very sick, she's about 25, 26 years old. She weighed about 80 pounds, probably had cancer before they knew how to diagnose her, but she couldn't even walk. Uh, she had somebody, her husband, drive her to this tent revival because she heard people were being healed. And God miraculously healed her. And then that created some kind of tension in the home because E.L. Wasn't, wasn't buying this stuff. He thought it was all a bunch of garbage. And so she kicked him out of the house. And he, he was walking away from his home and he had a moment in time where those truths that I talked to you about, that, that God feels about us, that he accepts us, he shows us affection, he affirms us, became real to E.L. Surratt. He had a radical transformation where he repented of his sin and he gave his life to Christ. And you know what he did is he, he became a preacher. He didn't go to school for it. He didn't have a degree for it. He just decided I'm a preacher. I kind of like that, you know? Like, and he, he just started preaching up churches. And they had three children. Hubert is my grandpa, Norman and Donna. And then of course, those children had children, including my dad, Greg, my uncle Jeff, uh, several cousins of theirs. And then they had children. Now they're a bunch of us. And if you fast forward from 1930 to the year 2020, and you say, hey, what are the Surratt's known for, you're going to get a whole lot different narrative. If you're on the West Coast, they're going to say, oh, I know Doyle Surratt. That's Seacoast Grace. They're reaching thousands of people with the gospel in Orange County, California. If you're in New Mexico or Arizona, they're going to say, oh, Carefree Church. I know those guys. That's, that's Dwight Surratt. That's Norman Surratt. They've got a ministry here that's incredible. If you go to Illinois, you're going to hear about Doug Surratt and the ministry happening through his church in Illinois. If you go to Houston, they'll talk about Hubert Surratt and the tabernacle, the church that he led that had thousands of people that have been impacted by the gospel. If you come on these parts, or of course, Colorado, you'll hear about Jeff Surratt. If you know anybody who leads a multi-site church, they've probably read the handbook on that, which was written by Jeff Surratt. And then you'll hear about Greg Surratt, my dad, who I honor today, who has helped been a part of planting almost a thousand churches around the United States. But it doesn't even stop there. If you go to Pakistan right now, 
They'll say, oh, the Surats, that's our Pakistan. You know, Bishop Mushtag would go, man, Pastor Greg, that's my spiritual dad. Uh, and, and we've got now churches being planted in Pakistan, partly because of your generosity, partly because of the faithfulness of this church and of the hand of God on my, my dad's life. But, but I think you can trace all of that back to a moment where E.L. Surratt said, you know what? I'm gonna give my life to Christ. There's some things that I've inherited that I'm not gonna pass on to the next generation. I don't tell you that to go, hey, pat the Surratt family on the back. I am telling you that as somebody who was born into a legacy that, that is four generations deep, the Bible talks about generational curse, but it also talks about the blessing of God being bestowed on thousands of generations. And I'm one who would say, man, my life has been blessed because of a decision that somebody made 70 some years ago, 80 years ago. And here's my question for you. Why not you? Why not that be the story be told about you? As we reflect on what our lives are gonna look like, on what we're gonna pass on, why not start with us? We can't solve all the problems in our culture. It's too big, it can can be paralyzing. But you know what, because one person made a decision to follow Christ 80 some years ago, there are thousands of people that are being, being impacted today because of the blessing that came from that. You know, we're gonna move into response and we're gonna sing a song that was written by our team here and uh, released this week uh, by Destiny. And uh, the song is, is called Start With Me. And I think it's a fitting way for us to, to kind of reflect on what is God saying to us today? What, what needs to stop with you? What needs to start with you? And let's take our cues from our heavenly father that because of a decision that I would make today, not out of emotion, not, not because man, I feel like, I, but because it's the right thing to do because I, I can't live with the weight of my own sin anymore. I can't live in the consequences of my own sin. I'm gonna go, you know what? I repent of my sin. I recognize that I've got attitudes, actions. Some of it's been handed down for generations, but I'm gonna take ownership of my sin I'm gonna say, God, I wanna give it to you. I wanna receive the love that you offered by going to the cross and taking all of my sin, all of my shame to the cross so that God can look at me in the same way that he looked at Jesus on that day of his baptism. That, that, that he would look at you. All we have to do is says, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And our sin is replaced with a righteousness that doesn't come from just doing the right thing. It comes from having put our trust in Jesus. That God would say, son, I accept you. I love you, I adore you, and I affirm you. I've got good plans for you. I've got purpose for you. And you're gonna be a part of changing not only your life, but the legacy of generations to come will be impacted because it starts with you. Would you guys pray with me as we close? You know, as we pray, I don't know where you are or how you're watching this message today, but I just sense that God's spirit is at work among us right now in our church. And that there are some of us that just need to say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna start with me. I wanna make a decision today to give my life to Christ so that my kids and their kids and my own life and experience today can be different. And I'm just gonna acknowledge, again, it's not, it's not a, the right words to say. It's an acknowledgement that, man, I'm, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I've fallen short of God's glory, but, but, but He paid the price for my sin. And I'm just saying, Jesus, I'm choosing to trust You 
and what you did for me rather than trusting me to get it all right. And in doing so, would you set me on a path that would change the legacy for generations? And if that's you today, I just wanna pray for you first. And I'm gonna pray a blessing over all of us as dads. And so if you would just, in, in your own way and in your own heart, just say this, this prayer, God, I give you my life. God, I, I, I give you my life. I surrender maybe for the first time to you. Maybe it's for the first time in a long time, but I'm coming to you today and I'm saying on this Father's Day weekend, I wanna give my life to you. Jesus, thanks for what you did for me. I'm choosing to trust you for my salvation. Now, God, would you take the what in many cases feels like a mess of my life right now, and would you begin to put the pieces together? And would you begin to build up a man or a woman who would create a legacy that would last for generations? And God, I just speak a blessing over the families that are watching today, over the men, over the women, but specifically the fathers. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who know the love of our, our heavenly Father, that would know that you have affirmed us, that you have accepted us, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done in our place. And Lord, that you would bless not only the fathers, but their kids, their grandkids, their great grandkids, that there would be a legacy of blessing, the same one that I've lived in for my family, that it would be bestowed on every man and woman who's watching today. We just pray and we ask for your blessing and that Lord, if there's gonna be revival in this place, if there's gonna be revival in our country, Lord, would you start with us? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, we're gonna respond to God today. And wherever you are, um, I wanna encourage you. We're gonna, like I said, we're gonna sing this song called Start With Me, but make that personal for you. Maybe you're, you've made a list of some things that you need to stop or some things that you wanna start, but would you make it personal and say, God, I want, I want you to change this heart before I start worrying about changing all of the others. And that may look like for you taking communion. And you can do that with whatever elements you have at your disposal but to be reminded of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that just says, man, I'm, I'm choosing today to remember what He did for me, that my salvation, that the good things that are gonna come out of my life, my purpose all starts there. For some of you, it's gonna be telling somebody about this repentance, about this change of heart and change of mind that you've had. Uh, you can text the word HOPE to Seacoast Church to 32320 and we will follow up with you. We'll give you some resources. We'll come alongside of you. This week we are in week three of our inside track, but for some of you just jumping on in with that. We're doing it digitally and you can text CONNECT to, to 32320 and we'll get you all the information that you need to, to, to begin to take steps to walk this legacy out. But, but whatever God's saying to you, we're gonna worship, we're gonna sing, some of you are gonna give, Again, you can text any amount to 320, 320. And part of that is just a, it's a, um, it, it, it's symbolic of a changed heart. You know, as we become more like Christ, we become more generous. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and me so that we could have eternal life. And some of us are just gonna go, you know what, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna take a step to be more like my heavenly father and just my generosity. Some of us are gonna confess of sin. Some of you may need prayer. We have prayer teams on all of the platforms that would love to pray for you. But what's God saying to you today? And what are you gonna do about it? And on this Father's Day weekend, I'm believing that we're gonna make some decisions in this moment that are gonna impact generations to come. Let's worship together.